My Michelle Lai podcast. My, 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 my Michelle Lai. My Michelle Lai. Sports timeout. Yeah. The field, the faith, the fun. Here's Michelle. I'm here, but not alone. I'm here with the team. It is time for sports. Yes, it is. Guys, welcome to another week of sports. We have with us our roundtable of fellas. This is the team today. We have Pastor coach. Uh, he is has also been a uh, chaplain for the Seattle Sounders, which is one of my favorite things. I can't imagine how cool that is. We'll have to talk about that sometime. And my friend, Garrick Payne, Rich Hallstrom, he is our sports encyclopedia and <laughs> co-author of Thunder Sports Network. Brent Baker, you may have heard him from this week's news and not news and views. I'm sorry, our Tuesday broadcast. We're talking science and technology. He's the author of Breaking Yesterday. He is a sports photographer and reporter. Yes, he is Brent Baker. Joshua McMillan. He's our tech guy for My Michelle Live. He's also one of our man on the street guys. He is our sports authority and he is a cool guy. And then we have a friend of mine from high school who's made a name for himself in football and has come back to hang out with me. Uh, Coach Tom Fisher, this is our roundtable today. Guys, happy Blue Friday. Happy Blue Friday, happy Michelle. Blue Friday. Friday. Oh, happy so Blue really Friday. It's been Guys, for me, <laughs> this, is, this is the glory days of the year for sports. We, uh, if we only had rugby, it would be a perfect time of the year. But guys, I want to start this sports time out. I got the background quick. for it. I don't, have any, I don't know anything about the Seawolves, but I got their background. Oh, I can't wait to talk about <laughs> the Seawolves. Can I just say, if you are new and you don't know that there is Major League Rugby in the United States of America, it is fairly new. And the since we come to talk about sports from a Seattle kind of point of view, the Seattle Seawolves have won their shield the first couple inaugural years. They are the team to look for, and there will be rugby starting next year. But I wanted to go very quick around the round table with your favorite sport, just to just to set the stage, let people know us a little bit more. Josh, you're not allowed to say marbles, but for me, <laughs> it's it's both kinds of football to watch and to play volleyball. Brent. <laughs> Ah, uh, boy, it's, it's tough because I, especially covering high school sports, I had to cover all of them. Um, but I think to watch American football, college basketball, baseball. Okay. <laughs> that didn't narrow it down at all. I know, it doesn't narrow it down. But hey, consider <laughs> I covered, I covered golf, I covered soccer, I covered swimming, I covered volleyball, you know, so. Okay, so there, we there, can give a you some leeway. We can give you some leeway. Eric Payne. I've played pretty much every sport, but easily, hands down, no question, you probably guessed. As a matter of fact, I, I played, I played last night, so. <laughs> there you go. All right, Rich Hallstrom. Pro football and Paralympic sports. Amen. Amen, brother. Oh. Coach Fish. Favorite well, sport? Obviously football and, 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 and wrestling. And I like college basketball. Uh -huh. Hey, by the way, tomorrow, if you're listening to the podcast and our entertainment review, uh, I'm sorry, not tomorrow, next week, we're going to wait till next week to get this guest on. But there's a brand new wrestling movie that will be out on the 8th. It, and it is like Hoosiers on the mat. It's called The Last Champion. We'll talk about it next week. Joshua McMillan, can't say marbles. What's your second favorite sport? <laughs> Marbula one racing. Well. <laughs> okay, right, right. Come on. I mean, my, my favorite to watch is is football. I mean, that's I just I love it. I love the hitting. I mean, I, I got to play a little bit. Um, did some turkey bowl 
over the weekend with uh, with a couple of friends. We just the flag. I keep telling them, why don't we get to play tackle? And they said, well, Josh, because you're too big and you're going to hurt someone. So, <laughs> apparently, I'm, I'm relegated to to flag football. But uh, I yeah, I love I love watching football. Uh, you know, professional college, and you know, baseball is not necessarily my favorite to watch. But it's my favorite to listen to on the radio. I okay. love listening to a baseball game on the radio, especially like if I'm working on a project, like working in the yard or in the garage. I love listening to baseball while doing that kind of stuff. It's so great. The little stories you get, you know, from our our casters out there, and it's just a nicely, you know, slow paced game that you can listen to and last for, you know, long enough that <laughs> you can get done whatever you're getting done. So that's a on if TV, you're listening on on radio baseball. I'll agree with that. There, okay, because uh, Josh, of course, uh, football, of course, but he also gives us our baseball and specifically Mariners report. So, guys, are you ready for some football? It's time to talk about it. Rich, our encyclopedia and an unofficial secretary of keeping <laughs> us in line, has said it this way. If I remember right, uh, the Seahawks flew over the eagles on monday night football we need a little seahawks music don't we guys a little seahawks music here we go come on seahawks music where are you where are you uh we can't find it i'll put it in later <laughs> you need the old the old seahawks band playing the bunny hop uh, there you go. There you go. But the uh, these Seahawks were 23-17 over the Eagles. Uh, the Seahawks moved one game ahead of the Rams in the NFC West. Was that amazing? Come on, Rich. Bring it. Bring That's it. The best thing about that whole game, DK Metcalf gave Darius Slay nightmares for the next 10 years and he may have even had to buy some rubber sheets this week we don't know about Ooh. that but, uh, <laughs> i would say that that was I would, I would say that that was the biggest set of moments from monday night and we have to give props to the seattle defense on the eagles first five possessions they were all three and out so the seattle defense once again continues to improve guys Hey, and not just that, but uh, Coach Fish, what we also saw was the Seahawks coming out of the gate. You know, we've been a fourth quarter team, a fourth quarter defibrillator team, and we are starting to see the Seahawks play the first three quarters. That's pretty impressive. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I enjoy that high-paced football. I mean, I, granted, the the Eagles or or the Seahawks lack of they they usually go for it on fourth down and are fairly successful with with good numbers. And you know, we went we did that twice in the beginning, and we came up where we should have had 14 points in any other game uh, to start off with our drives at least threes. You know, we we got nothing. So I mean, I, I like to you know I like that they go for it on fourth down and usually get it, which is a momentum builder, you know, especially if you're coming firing out the first three quarters. One block on one play though, by DK Metcalf. And, and I think the Seahawks put up 35 points on the Eagles. That first missed down really changed the momentum of the game for a short time. Can we talk a little more about DK Metcalf? I mean, because he, uh, he caught 10 passes for 177, 175. That's correct. That's correct, Michelle. Thank you, Encyclopedia, uh, Rich. Uh, but <laughs> this, uh, this is funny. Did you hear this story? One of the defensive coaches uh, came to Metcalf before the game and said, you know, I was in Detroit with Megatron, but uh, you're not there yet. Seriously? And Metcalf was saying in my mind, he was thinking to himself, I'm not trying to be Megatron, but uh, he said that he went into the game with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. And I just want to say to whomever that D coach was, he can eat that Jim chip. He can eat that chip with a little dip of defeat. Thank you very much. Let's talk Metcalf. Okay. Look, I just got to put this out there. If you compare <laughs> the first, like, to where Metcalf is in his career to where Megatron was in his career, and Megatron's great, by the way. Metcalf is better in pretty much every stat than Megatron was this deep into his career. Uh, DK Metcalf fair, is a beast. In, in fairness, uh, Megatron 
never had played on a terrible team. A terrible team without without Russell Wilson. So yeah, the Lions there there, there is right. that. And and I think when you talk about a former Lions, one of many former Lions head coaches out there, um, going up to an opposing player before a game and feeding his flame has just says a lot about who the Lions uh, hires. Well, can I put some, <laughs> can I put some perspective on this? Uh, Jim Swartz also talked about this after the game and earlier this week. And he kind of said it was a back, it was a backhanded compliment. But once again, if you're a professional assistant coach in the NFL or a head coach, you don't want to say anything that could possibly fire up your opponent. And DK Metcalf internalized that much like Michael Jordan used to internalize comments from opponents and opposing coaches and use that as fuel. So that, I mean, that's what great athletes do. So to the point of making it up sometimes, but yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Hey, make it, (laughs) make it up. If that's, if that's what you need to make yourself focus and focus specifically on your job in the last two games that DK Metcalf has played in Philadelphia, he's had 160 yards and 177 yards. So I think DK Metcalf, it's sure to say, does think of Philadelphia as the city of brotherly love. I think the other thing too, that, and the people that, 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 that cracks me up. The other thing that cracks me up is that, I mean, he definitely gets under defenders skins and it doesn't surprise me that he might get into shoving matches with a few defensive backs. But when you have a defensive lineman cheap shotting you after a play, you've really got something going where everybody, everybody's oh, yeah. rattled by it. <laughs> Uh, Hey, I wanted to also talk uh, about the defense. Uh, Seattle's defense did start that game kind of allowing. (laughs) They started the game with this this grand thing over them, allowing the most yards in the NFL and the most yards passing. But my brothers, did the Seahawks D uh, pull it off? And are we there yet? I'm going to start with defensive coach Tom Fisher. Yeah, the defense allowed, you know, after Seattle didn't get their first two two touchdowns or 10 points, uh, they allowed them to stay in the game and get back in it. You know, it's winning on the road is, is tough. And when your defense sets a tone like that, you know, accepts the challenge and comes through, that, you know, allows the offense more time to get its legs underneath it, you know, and then, and then go. Okay. All right. Anyone else yeah. want to weigh in? Well, yeah, you yeah. have to go ahead, Josh. Yeah, I mean, I think that we saw a significant outing from from our defense this week, and I was really impressed by them coming out. And I just want to also give props over to 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 the Eagles' defense because you know that team, Amen. Their, their offense is bad, but their defense came out with the fire, and they were they were popping off. You know, that yeah. was really yeah. impressive outing from the Eagles' defense, but. And, you know, and just to say the Eagles offense needed the refs to bail them out on three third and outs in order to get their first touchdown of the game. So, <laughs> that, like, that grounding penalty that was oh missed was one of the worst blatantly missed calls I've ever seen. Oh, I mean, that, did, it I'm, was, what, three yards short of the first of the line of scrimmage. And you yeah. got the official standing there on the line of scrimmage watching it. I, it's like, what in the world okay. are you seeing? So I, I posted question- a picture of that. The guy that caught the ball is literally next to the official who's standing at the line of scrimmage, and he's three yards short. Like, you can see it right there where he catches it. Okay, so, it was so ridiculous. my question on this, guys, we see this throughout the gamut on all sports, major league sports, we'll see a lot of crazy bad calls. Why with all of the technology that we have, are we still seeing these things? We've seen it in major league soccer. Sometimes it, it can make the difference between uh, going forward and playoffs. Sometimes, I mean, there, there were calls. I mean, we could talk about that on some of the MLS games as well. Why rich? Why, why, why aren't they we didn't want to curb stomp on Monday night? Football? Well, I think, <laughs> Uh, let's take a look at that one specific call. I think the referees were just trying to uh, get on a plane, get out of town as fast as they, as fast as they could. I'm, I'm just going to say that. I, I think that they have sometimes an idea in their head of a particular flow of the game and they don't want to mess up that flow. Okay. And, and they also fine. don't, and they also don't want to mess. They also don't want to admit a obvious error. 
I think okay, I'll give that to you. But with all the technology that we have to be able to review and really look through things, you know, VA, VAR, um, why aren't we seeing uh, someone intervene and say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Officials yeah. are intimidated Drama. by the uh, technology. They don't want to be overruled by the technology. Yeah, I don't think that play was reviewable, which was which is that one, that also one, one, one major be. issue there should be. But it's possible to over legislate too. I mean, look what they tried to do with the pass interference. You know, Good point. Pass interference stuff last year. It was a disaster, and the officials finally just rebelled and wouldn't would not reverse a pass interference call. So, you know, I'm not I am not against leaving some of the human element in the game with the officiating because. Okay. I mean, you have it with the players. You can't go back and fix the players' errors. Not that we I want bad. Not that I want bad officiating. Um, you know, the Pac-12 had another black eye with that Oregon-Oregon State game game on, on oh Saturday my. with right with, with the officiating. Like for oh, man. The, the final thirty seconds took half an hour of what was otherwise an awesome yeah. game. You know. Yeah. So. And, and- you can you can improve the officiating, but I think you can over legislate it where you fix it. The, the other fix point, it on the field, which is the other point to that is that we can often uh, we want to see these games have flow if we're stopping every few seconds, you know. But right. man, it is frustrating. That I mean, all right, what do you do? So, okay. um, go ahead, Josh. We already have a solution to this that we've seen implemented that I thought was really good in the XFL, what they did with the Sky Judge. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're you know, you right. You have a judge Sky that's judge. sitting there that's watching it, and, the, and then he can call down and say, hey, guys, you got that wrong. Let's roll it back. You know, See, that's, that's, that's the way for, do you guys remember that infamous game that that Seattle that Seattle Dragons played where the Sky Judge, you know, everyone's walking off the field. Exactly. And, yeah, so yeah. they can and get it wrong as well. And by the way, I wanted to ask a question. Did you hear the news about Josh Gordon? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, yeah. so Seahawks, no. once wide receiver, he was banned for life for substance abuse, right? And it's the Seahawks signed him anyway, taking, you know, we, we believe in him, standing by him, uh, maybe a story of redemption. The NFL finally ruled and he'll be eligible for the last two games. What does that say, though, about the we, we always like to get to the God story, the redemption story, guys. Let's uh, do a little face off on this one. I mean, after all, this is an important story. I think Pete Carroll is the king of redemption in the NFL. He knows what it's like to not have your dreams fulfilled or have a roadblock put in your face because a lot of people criticized him as a head coach at a couple other uh, stops. And he got a lot of criticism as the Patriots head coach at one point in time. So he wants to, he wants to try to improve people. He's all about, improving people and having meaningful relationships with people in a professional way and a personal way. And that's what he talked about in his book that he wrote. And that's kind of the philosophy that he has brought to the Seahawks. And he's really tried to uh, influence guys in a, in a lot of many different ways. And Josh, I think you'll agree with me here. That's one of the reasons why players play for Pete Carroll. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. There you are. <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure if he does or not. Yeah, I mentioned agree. this last yeah. week in my uh, in, in my final shot or the week before, I think, of how Pete Carroll and John Schneider have created a culture here that really engenders people to this organization. People love to play here. And I, I totally agree. I think Josh Gordon is just going to be another one of those stories of a star player that's like, you know what? When all else was down, this organization took care of me. They said, you know, I, I know you have a problem, but I know you can get through this. And we've seen time after time again, people talk about how this, this place has been better to them than anywhere else. This place has quality. And I'm really grateful for that. Like I said, Pete Carroll, John Schneider doing a great, great job with that. Not everyone fits into it. I mean, we've seen the complaints from, you know, Richard Sherman saying, you know, Kumbaya <laughs> doesn't like the, uh, the, the meetings anymore. And it's for, for other guys, but you know, yeah, I, we I, don't I, want to I, feel good about our brother. I mean, that's, that's for, that's for yeah. kids. That's kid stuff. We don't want to support each other. We don't want to be a team. We don't want to support folks when they're, when they're down and they're struggling. We don't want to take people who are, I don't know, third round draft picks and make something of them. We, I mean, come on, who, who does that? 
Well, Richard, Richard just doesn't want to win another Super Bowl ring. That's all that, that is. <laughs> well, I, I absolutely the Richard comment, I think, is just sour grapes. That's the only way to look at it. But, <laughs> but with regard to the whole Josh Gordon and Rich, I think your point is an important one when you say Pete is kind of the king of redemption. However, I also want to add the fact that Pete understands team chemistry. And excellent point. He's bringing Josh Gordon into a wide receiving core that is established and they, they there's a really good camaraderie there. So he is going to come into a group of guys who are who are very dialed in. They're very connected with their quarterback. And so I think Josh is going to fit in really well there. He has I think Josh has humility uh, from what I can see and what I've read um, as far as what he's been through. And I think it's a perfect place. And I, I heard Pete on the radio today actually talking about just how he's excited to have him join, uh, join the team. My question to anybody who thinks this is a negative, why wouldn't you want to see someone change their life? Oh, there you go. Uh, Coach Fisher, do you want to weigh in? Yeah, you know, the like you said, the organization, they, they bring people in and they really sit down and they talk to them and they they get a, you know, a feel. And I mean, they haven't signed everybody that they broke down and talked to like that. But, you know, like you said, it's a family atmosphere. They bring them in. They check them out. OK, what, what are you doing with your life lately? OK, maybe you will fit in here. You know, all right. It seems really good. And then they they either sign them or they don't. And that's what I like about this program. Yeah, it's it's inspirational. Uh, you are listening to Sports Time Out on the My Michelle Live Network, guys. Uh, let's take it out of Seattle. What NFL stories uh, outside of our first love are on your minds today? Well, you got to give it to the Pittsburgh Steelers, eleven and zero. They've got a good shot at going, maybe possibly undefeated. You think in, until they meet us until in the Super, the Super Bowl? Bowl. Exactly. The Super Bowl yeah. That's what I'm. That's well, there's guys. a big, big obstacle with Kansas City. You know, I think that I think you're you're looking at Kansas City and Pittsburgh as as the, the two top teams there that will face each other to go to the Super Bowl. Although Tennessee is capable of, they've proven in the past they're capable of knocking them off. I thought the story this week though, again involving Pittsburgh, but I don't know if anybody watched that Pittsburgh. Baltimore Wednesday football game, but that was ridiculous. Uh, I watched you it know, for just, Chris' sake, and I was <laughs> thinking of was, uh, Chris, who often joins us on our roundtable that night. Yeah, I mean, I watching that, that there were just so many injuries that looked to me like the sorts of things that happen when you haven't been on the field for two weeks, and then you're going out there full speed, smashing uh, well into put. each other. And yeah. I just, I just felt like, you know, they're doing they they kept postponing the game for safety's sake due to the virus and yet they i think they put the players in more physical danger and some of them talked about that afterwards i thought it was an incredibly gutsy effort from baltimore who were playing like 18 guys short they had you know the last guys on the practice squad active and you know poor rg3 that i'd forgotten was even active in the league you know trying to trying to resurrect his career you know and they even had a chance to win that game without some really bad clock management at the end of the first half. And oh, that was horrible. And some questionable officiating on top of that. Pittsburgh didn't play that well, but I just felt like, you know, if the virus is that big a deal, make Baltimore forfeit the game. Cause it sounds like there were some real breakdowns of protocol that brought this about and just move on. And I think everybody would have been better off for it in the long run. Well, I think uh, Brent, when you take a look at this, that's one of the rules that I think the NFL should have instituted is if you do not follow the protocols and you fail to to make yourself available for a game, your organization has to forfeit. And I would think that would have curbed what little problems we have seen with uh, having to move games right. because that well, would have even the Denver meant- even the Denver situation. I mean, that was ridiculous yeah. too, where they had to play with no quarterbacks you know, a, a a practice squad ride receiver trying to play quarterback in the NFL. It's just yeah. <laughs> yeah, I heard they signed the throwing machine this week. Is there? A, a well, there's a se- there's a secret message out there that I actually flew to Denver for a tryout, but I want to put those rumors to rest. 
<laughs> you heard it here. You heard it here. First. Well, the Seahawks have actually put into place. Or Debo. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Seahawks backup quarterback Dan Edling is actually um, quarantined uh, from the rest of the quarterbacking squad for that very reason. Because if something, should, if one of them should get sick, um, he is he attends all the team meetings via Zoom or Skype or whatever, and um, and so he is physically apart from that group, um, even though he's still trying to train and everything like that. But he he doesn't hang out with them. You know, Guys, what remind, you, you know what it reminded me of a bit is um, the strike games from what was it 1987 or whatever, oh, where yeah. you had Jeff Kemp and Steve Largent coming back playing against a bunch of, um, you know, replacement players and setting team records and everything. And it's like, you're, you're running into the, some of those sorts of situations where new Orleans had their best ever defensive performance for a game. Well, great guys. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Kind of as, as exciting as uh, the Portland Timbers winning the COVID cup anyway, uh, along those same lines, but you know, pretty soon, if we don't get a handle on this, we're going to just see virtual football. He throws it and does he virtually catch it on the other side of the zoom meeting? So we got to get a handle on this fellas. All, all, on, all on. Yeah. Madden. Exactly. Xbox. The NFL is coming to, a TV near you, yeah. right? Let's go to and college. Like what do you sport. say? What do you say we go to college right now? What are your takeaways from last week game? Last week's game. Think about that, because mine was watching the first half of the Huskies game, <laughs> thinking that in the first half the Cougs were sitting there at home wishing they were playing the Apple Cup because even if they're cheerleaders, <laughs> oh, yeah. even if their cheerleaders were the only ones not testing positive, they still would have had a go a fighting go at it. But the to, to be real honest, uh, as we watched the Huskies pull it off in the end, I was so impressed. I want to talk about that and some of your takeaways from college sports, but um, I want to give kudos. This is almost like a final shot for me to Jimmy Lake. I mean, that man not only is proving himself as a coach, but as a PR guy, he is so well-spoken. He's gregarious. He commands a presence on television. I mean, he's, he is a good pick, good pick. So guys, let's open it up. Thoughts, Tom, Tom, you're, you're actually joining us on phone and you're such a gentleman that sometimes I'm afraid we all walk over you. So I'm going to give you the floor. <laughs> Well, some of it I have to listen because I, I don't like in the last couple of weeks. I haven't really watched anything except uh, uh, Seahawk football because I've been engrossed with, you know, uh, projects at home. And so I kind of feel left out, but, you know, I still I'm going to get on it, but I have to finish some things. <laughs> OK, that's fair. That's fair enough. So takeaways from college, uh, college football, guys. Well, one thing I'm really fascinated with is watching the big 10 right now, to be honest. Um, and specifically the whole Ohio state situation where they have been ranked mm -hmm. in the top four of the college play playoff football poll all year. And if they have any more COVID related cancellations, they will not have enough games on their schedule to qualify for the big 10 title game, which brings up the question, can you, still make the final four if you don't even get to play for your college your your conference championship now one of the to add to that entry their final game of the season is supposed to be against their old rival michigan and our old friend jim harbaugh who used to coach the 49ers um who's on the hot seat because michigan's not a good team right now they also have been having covid issues so I'm thinking, how nasty is, can this rivalry get if you decide, gee, we have too many players out to play this game against Ohio State that we're going to lose by 40 points. But if we don't play, we deny them the ability to get into the playoff. <laughs> They're going to meet in the parking lot and duke it out. That would be fun. <laughs> I'm just watching, yeah. this, watching this and thinking, wow, I wonder if they're, you know, it's got to be occurring to some people, whether they're in actual, 
you know, I don't think, I don't know that Harbaugh could step back from that game, but I'm just saying that possibility is out there and it's, it could be a problem. Well, like think about, think about this guys, the Huskies could keep winning and mm-hmm. not make the college football playoff based on the number of games they've had the opportunity to play. And the, uh, Big deal about the Husky game is not the first half, but the second half. Three turnovers by the Husky yeah. defense and 24 straight points. Dylan Morris once again finds Kate Otten in the end zone for a game-winning touchdown. Huskies run the ball for 196 yards on the ground. I think that Pete Carroll would love 196 yards on the <laughs> ground. And uh, great coach. He'd also love, he'd also love four Lake healthy running backs too. And yeah. he'd love a 2000 pound <laughs> offensive line. And a couple of those guys on de- a couple of those guys on defense, uh, Josh, great effort by the Husky defense in the second half. Yeah. Thoughts, Josh. It was, it's weird to see, uh, see the Huskies losing for a little bit there. I mean, on, on a Thanksgiving that usually doesn't happen, but, uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a great effort by them for sure. Um, Gosh, yeah, I, I love the run the ball hat too by Jimmy Lake. You know that I don't. I think he had that in his uh, press conference a couple of weeks ago, and it just again, and I'm not like Pete Carroll. I think is like thinking, hey, Jimmy Lake, after this is all over, you want to go out for coffee, like get dinner. We need to talk about this. <laughs> can I can I have one of your three mom. running backs? Can they graduate <laughs> earlier? Yeah, right he, he probably wouldn't mind Elijah Molden for his secondary either. So, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> They're playing well. And, you know, we see them shaking off a lot of dust that first week where it just it didn't look right. You know, I mean, it, it was a good game, but it didn't look right. It didn't look like other college football that's going on for a while now. There was a lot of dust being shaken off. But now I think we're seeing them really start to come into their own. They're getting warmed up. They're getting ready. You know, they're, they're ready for real football now. And after that, that little bit of an awkward preseason. But, uh, you know, I, it's, it's good. I really like what we're seeing out there on the field. We're seeing tough, physical football. And that's, you know, that's what we like here in the Northwest. Well, the yeah. way they're playing now is exactly the way they need to play this Saturday against Stanford. Uh, 30, let's see, I can think of the statistics here. I think it's 30, 44 and, or 34 and 34 and eight is the all time record with the Stanford Cardinal Cardinal usually come in with a very, very physical team. Jimmy Lake has the perfect team to go up against a Cardinal team. That's, uh, searching to get back on track and, uh, it's going to be one of the best games of the year. And the, and the Huskies are getting their props, even though some people think that they're a little bit underrated as far as the college football playoff rankings are concerned. What do you guys think about that? I think it's going to be tough for any Pac-12 team to get in the playoff, even if they run the table. Um, just the, the conference has such a bad reputation right now because the last three Thank or four you, years right. under, underperformed on the national stage. So when you're only playing against yourself, it makes it tough to make that case. And when you have are the first conference to have rapid testing available and the last one to actually start your season, I think a lot of the anyone west or east of the conference is just kind of done with dealing with them. And they're really going to have to to show on the field that they're worthy of a spot in the final four. And I don't see how they can do that with the way this season is, pl- is scheduled. Fire okay, guys, Scott. I want. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you guys uh, some predictions. Uh, we'll take it in college, just maybe our local teams as we broadcast uh, with our hearts here from the Seattle area, but we'll whiten that in the football realm for college and for the NFL. I just like to kind of go around and get some of your interesting predictions for uh, your best teams. And we'll start with Garrick Payne. Oh no, don't start with me. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't, I haven't had much to offer to this college uh, football discussion. Okay. How about, uh, how about uh, the Cougars? Will the Cougars get a game in? How about that? (laughs) Yeah, right. Will they get a game in? There you go. All right. We we can, uh, no, no, it's okay. But with regard to, to collegiate sports, I I do feel like um, this season, I don't even know if you can count it as a season because there is so much um, 
so many teams who have such different situations and circumstances and and it's really really difficult to um to have any kind of an objective standard because of the ways that 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 we're in this covid world so uh when so if it's from a college perspective i i have no opinion <laughs> but uh but with regard to our other local sports here <clears throat> I mean, the Sounders are poised to go, and I'm hoping you'll save some time for soccer. Oh, we're, uh, we're going to do that at the end. That's the grand finale. Don't okay, even go there right, yet. Good, we, good. we can even talk about the, the Giants uh, Seahawks on the 6th. Uh, They'll be Sunday at 105. Um, they'll be playing as well. So you want to go college. You want to go NFL. I just want to get some football predictions. Rich Holstrom. Well, I'm going to say that the Giants are going to be laying at the- – at midfield with a tombstone by their name <laughs> Sunday afternoon. It's going to be another opportunity for the Seahawks defense to improve on their statistics. The Seahawks, for example, have now 31 sacks on the season. They only had 28 all of last season. So we got to give them props for that. Okay. Yeah, I, okay. I think Danny Dimes is uh, not going to be dropping dimes against this team. I think the addition of Carlos Dunlap has really it's unlocked going to be Colt Jared McCoy. So. <laughs> Was it Colt McCoy actually playing on Sunday? Okay, it sounds well, if they're leaning that way, yeah, even even better, uh, yeah, <laughs> or worse depending on who you're rooting for. Uh, yeah, like I said, Carlos Dunlap really unlocked Jaron Reed, the inside of that defense, really like giving Benson Mayo a time, and it, it's stopped them from being able to just kind of follow around where the blitzer is because before you know we were trying to send blitz packages and they were just watching where is where's jamal adams where's bobby wagner we're just going to watch these guys and not let them get to the quarterback carlos dunlap being there has unlocked this defensive line and this pass rush and i do not see i I do not see a defunct giants team being able to to stop this stop us from getting to the quarterback or stop russ from getting to the end zone so uh i love sundays like this guys i love sundays (laughs) like this where i'm not going (gasps) right I mean, I just love it. Fish. Yeah, I say Seattle is probably beat, you know, uh, the Giants down, probably 35-12, I'm, I'm saying. But, yeah, the, the defense has really come along with the addition of the defensive end, and it really does, you know, uh, take the edge off of, you know, having to blitz uh, Bobby Wagner quite regular, although the, the package that they do do is, is, you know, working. So, you know, having that defensive end to anchor the line, and, you know, fresh rotation of the big men down in the middle with the D-line. You know, I mean, it, we're going to roll over them. Okay. Before we move on to the grand finale. And, uh, Brent, I didn't get a prediction from you. Let's go, let's go to you first. I think <clears throat> the Seahawks never do anything easily. So I think it will be a little closer <laughs> than we might like. They just, they just don't. I, I mean, the Giants, the Giants. The Wash Giants, your mouth out yeah. with soap. Uh, (laughs) yeah i think i think it might look a lot like monday's game though did because the giants defense is not bad their offense is a mess so i i'm thinking maybe like 27 17 pull away in the second half um something like that um i think the huskies should win as easily um well i'll I'll give stanford my final shot later but i'll tell you a little about a little about what they're doing this week, but but the, I think the Huskies are on a roll. Before we get to the grand finale, hold your horses, Garrick Payne. Uh, any other? Yeah, you know, we've got basketball. We've got uh, the women's national team. There's I don't know if Josh is following marbles still, but you know, is there anything else that we've got to get out of the way this week before we get to MLS? Gonzaga Baylor on Saturday morning, number one and number two ranked college basketball teams. The Zags have looked every part of a Final Four team they had a big win against a tough team West Virginia team without one of their big guys who got hurt um Terrell or not Terrell but the Suggs kid who was out much of the game with an ankle issue but um you know Mark Few found a way to schedule one of the most difficult non-conference schedules in the country and it's just a team that just looks like it's on another level for most of, of the teams that they're playing so they get a real test this Saturday morning though 10 o'clock okay anyone else Come on, come on. There's got to be something. Okay, fine. I'll give it to the uh, the Mariners. Um, oh, 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 okay, okay. Oh, 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 okay. Back up, back up. Go ahead, John. <laughs> All right. 
a little bit of a, a <laughs> so <update>. excited. <laughs> they they uh, offered some tenders, got some people back on the team um, that were eligible for arbitration. Uh, JP Crawford, Tom Murphy, a couple others. So uh, just again, seeing this team come together, seeing these guys uh, sticking with the team, I'm excited. JP Crawford, like I mentioned, first gold glove. Uh, Tom Murphy, who didn't get to play this year because of injury, but really came alive last year and. That guy's a, a brick house of a catcher. Oh, man. I'm he's, yeah, what he has. And, right. And and Hanniger as well. He was another guy that we uh, got the arbitration for. He should be good to go in spring training after missing the last, I think, year and a half now uh, after that ruptured testicle and back hernia, which I would not. That's like the worst injury ever. Right? For- what <laughs> yeah. a combination. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. He back, back from death, basically. I could not wish that on anyone. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited to have him back. He's penciled in to start right field after spring training. I am really curious to see what the Mariners do with Mitch Haniger this year. You're wondering, is he actually going to be a long-term piece of this thing going forward? Uh, you know, when we have a lot of talent coming up in our in our outfielders there, you know, we got we got Julio Rodriguez. We got a couple of really good guys there. So do you, are we going to end up moving one of them? Or are we going to keep Mitch Haniger, uh, or are we going to move him? You know, these are some questions to really watch this next year because I think after how he plays this year is really going to determine some of that. It's a so nice keep, problem uh, to have. It is yeah, a very a nice, nice problem, problem to have. You know, is <laughs> he going to change. return to All Star form, or are we going to have two <laughs> of the uh, the best prospects in the outfield for baseball come up and push him out and then get something? for Mitch Haniger in a trade. So we'll see what's going to happen with that. Keep an eye on it as we go through spring training, as we go through the next season, what's going to happen there. I'll give so, you one more, Michelle. That, okay. Oh, go ahead and finish that thought if you had a connection on to Josh. No, no, no. Go. Oh, okay. Go. So here's a transition one from football to soccer. All right. Does the name Sarah Fuller mean anything to you guys? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a big, oh, yes. big, big deal. In fact, that's part of my final shot. And okay. good okay. for this girl from Vanderbilt. Yep. Yep. She is a soccer player. She came to Vanderbilt to play soccer and she is now on the official travel squad for the football team. And she, she uh, took a kick, a a kickoff during the game, their their last game. And, and she, she broke the glass ceiling of, uh, of women in, in college sports. Okay. So I want to, I want to take this before and I'm going to, I don't know, tease us a little bit more for the grand finale, but I really do want to take that on as a face-off topic, guys. Can women cut it in major league sports? That I want to do for face-off. This week we've got a face-off. And they're going to face-off against one another. So, of course, we have Sarah Fuller, and that is a huge story. She is breaking... uh, the social norms uh, to play in a power five football game. She delivered the second half kickoff against Missouri. This is huge. Can women make it in a men's world where sports are concerned? Is there, is there an inequality issue? Is there physical differences or is there a place for women? Someone weigh in. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and jump in on this first. I wish that the first kick would have been better. I, I'm really happy for her that she got to live out her dream and kick, but that was also one of the worst kickoffs I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> it was a 30-yard pooch kick. And- Unless yeah. it, was, it could have been designed to be that, though. Well, it was designed you, you, to be that, guys. You, you can't design a, a kick that allows the offense that's already up 30 points to start at the 40 yard line. Like that was a, that was a bad <laughs> kick. Even if it was a squib, it's not supposed to yeah, it's not it's, supposed to go out there. And she was bailed out by the return team grabbing it when it looked like it was going to go out of bounds and get them a penalty. And it that's why Derek bad. Mason, the former coach got fired on Monday, Derek Mason, their yeah. head coach got fired on Monday. They are Vanderbilt is Oh, and eight. And this is a disappointing it's a disappointing example it's a positive thing but in a lot of ways it's a negative thing because i'm just going to flat out say it michelle she only participated in one play and it was a pooch kick she did not help her team score any points there is no way you can consider that kind of effort as co-special teams player of the week for the sec the other player who got co-special teams 
player of the week for the SEC returned a, a kickoff 50, a punt return 50 yards and helped the Florida Gators win against Kentucky 34 to 10. And those two things are not comparable. I'm fully up for women being involved in football or any other, any other sport. And, but if, you've got to actually, yeah. I've got to actually contribute something and nobody should win an award. If your team is and eight and loses 41 to nothing. Yeah. It was a okay. participation trophy. And you know, I'm all again, it's, it's like when Obama got elected and he got the Nobel peace prize, but he didn't actually do anything for it before he right? was in office, before yeah, he, he was, was in was office Nobel. to do anything. He got the Nobel peace prize. Like what did you do for the Nobel peace prize? It's the same here. She didn't do anything for it. Why? Well, Oh, it's ahead, as great as it is that she is there. I, I don't understand the celebration of her as the special teams player of the week when she did one bad play and that, that, that was it. That's as a woman, I want to say that is um, it, it's almost embarrassing. I, on one end, I'm all for breaking glass ceilings. I'm all for giving women opportunity. But to just hand it to us like, uh, well, we have to have our token chick on the team or our token Hispanic or our token this or our token that. You know, I, I want to be able to come in and do a bang up job, not just be there because I'm a woman. I want to be able to, if I'm going to compete in a man's world, whatever that world may be, I need to be truly equal and in some ways fine, better and shoot for that. Is that possible, Garrick, uh, given our physio physiology? I mean, we're not just talking what I identify as. Well, I think it, it does cheapen the, the award when, when it's given for that, as Rich pointed out. You, when you put it side by side with a 55-yard punt return, I mean, th there's really no comparison. And so... Yeah, she she should get kudos absolutely for what she has done and and for for actually being there and making that effort, but certainly not player of the week. And so oh, definitely. No, it, it was kind of like Bruce Jenner getting a woman of the year when, you know, he had to pay a lot of money to get sex changes. And, you know, he didn't have to go through what most women have to go through. You know, a successful guy, lots of money, gets a sex change as a woman for all of, you know, five months and all of a sudden woman of the year. That's an insult. That was an insult. But in answer well, to your question, Michelle. Oh, go ahead. Rich. Go ahead. No, go ahead. OK, go ahead, coach. I, I think that there are is it really depends on the sport because some and and it depends on the person as well so some women are physically able to compete on that level and as you most of you know my past i i spent about eight years working with the military um, traveling around the world doing relationship seminars to help our troops to stay married but one of the things i saw and one of the things that you know is the elite special forces um, most of them do not, I mean, they all don't have women. I mean, there are a, f a few women who are now um, breaking into that, but there are specific reasons for that when it comes to the military and if you're captured behind enemy lines and those types of issues as well. But from a physical perspective, there are women now who are, who are meeting that standard and, and I don't believe that there should be lesser standards if you want to, no. to join those elite forces. And so I think it's the same criteria should apply when it comes to professional sports. If a woman can cut it, it doesn't matter whether or not she's a woman. If she can do it, then great. Because I, I, um, I actually participate playing co-ed soccer and there's some incredible women soccer players. And so and and I think we could have our U.S. women's soccer team maybe play for the U.S. men's soccer team sometimes, you know, I'm just <laughs> saying. But much like there are standards with firefighting, for example, different standards for women than men. I, I'm not comfortable with that because if someone's going to rescue me in the fire, I don't care what their gender is, their background, their religious affiliation. I just want to know that they can do the job. Uh, Tom Fisher. Yeah, if they can physically cut it, you know, especially that type of job, you know, whatever it is that, you know, you have trained for and have earned, you know, kudos on the way up and you've passed all the tests, I, I don't see where that's a problem. You know, if you have completely proved yourself on a, 
you know, on the, with the requirements, it, there's just no way around it. Okay, guys, I think we put this off long enough and I am biting at the bit and so excited about this. Can I just play the soundbite? Ah, there we go. Sounders. 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 Well, you guys have been you guys have been as empty as you know, like these empty stands. You're out of practice. It's okay. This is the grand finale of the show for me. The Seattle Sounders beat FC Dallas. 1-0, and they are ready for the Western Conference. If we go all the way, we'd be one of only three teams. I think um, D.C., LAFC, uh, one more, Garrick, uh, who has back-to-back cups. Um, anyway, forget, forget back-to-back for just a moment. I'm kind of hoping for the first trio of MLS cups. Like let's win it this year. Let's win the next. I know it's looking ahead, but I'm so excited about our Sounders. And speaking of trio, we have the infamous trio of boom, uh, Ladero, Morris, and Raul Ruiz Diaz at everybody's talking about them. Uh, really exciting, but they weren't the ones that scored the one and only goal. Garrick, you've been biting up a bit as much as me. You go for it. Let's talk about the game. Oh, yeah, it was it was an exciting game. Um, but I, I think this is why a lot of Americans don't like <laughs> soccer is because it was one goal. Um, but it was hard. Yeah, but it's fought. defense. It's awesome defense. Oh, exactly. Well, exactly. Know? No, but my point is, is what that wins games, Josh? Josh, what wins games? Defense. Thank you. Go ahead, Gary. <laughs> but this is this is uh, the beauty and why it's the beautiful game because you score a goal, and then you 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 close down defensively. You work together, um, attacking, and just continue to put pressure on the the opponent. And the Sounders did a wonderful job just closing out that game and uh, just setting ourselves up for this conference final that's going to happen on Monday night now against Minnesota United, um, which everybody was shocked. Um, and if you saw that game last night, I mean, Kansas city came out just as you expected them to, they were pressuring, they were, I mean, they had several opportunities, just missed a goal by inches. And, uh, and then Minnesota just turned it up and they started putting in some goals and <clears throat> yeah, a halftime score of three, three nil. two or three oh within goodness. 12 minutes. It's crazy. Oh, oh, oh. And another news story, by the way, did you did you hear what's going on in Portland? It's like a fire sale, guys. They are trading pay, uh, players like kids used to trade bubblegum cards. I, I guess <laughs> I, I'm thinking that maybe it has something to do with trying to find something to do to distract themselves from uh, watching games and watching us ascend to the top. But uh, we are playing Minnesota. That game yesterday, as you said, absolutely wow. Um, now, I know that Kansas City isn't necessarily known for their defense, uh, but when you were watching Minnesota, was anyone going, wow, Sounders, you better be ready. These guys look prime. Well, it's a reason to take Minnesota seriously. If you you thought the, the Sounders might look past their next yeah, opponent in the Western Conference off. Finals, it's not going to it's not going to happen. And that's the, what I like about the fact that Minnesota was able to do that to uh, sporting KC on uh, KC's own turf is that made the Sounders focus for this uh, finale, the Western Conference Final on Monday night. And Brent, again, like I said, it wasn't uh, it wasn't our our big trio who I think part of their magic isn't that they are these uh, extraordinary standalone strikers, but that they uh, there's chemistry. They play as a team. Uh, Ladero Morris, Rui Diaz, uh, they're not afraid to give the highlight and the and the shot to somebody else. They take chances. I like that about them. They weren't the ones who scored. The, yeah, the one you'll have to tell me who was. What was the name of the guy who scored? <laughs> Shane like, O'Neill. Shane O'Neill. Yes. 
his first goal in like six years in the MLS. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just awesome. I think what I, 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 I think what I've was, enjoyed. It was oh, a designed. Ahead. It was a design play, actually, as well. Um, the the Sounders had practiced that one, and um, it was a corner corner kick set piece, and and uh, it it just worked to perfection. Um, and and again, you had Ladero on the other end of it, just setting it up as he does so beautifully. It was just a, a beautiful goal. That's what I saw from the Sounders too, as you mentioned that, Derek, is they were playing uh, smart with purpose. They they really looked like they knew what they were doing. That the the that they were playing by design. They put a lot of midfield pressure. That was really something to behold, guys. Who do you think we're going to see in the finals? Well, I think one of the things that is so fascinating about the playoffs this year is so many matchups that did not happen at all during the regular season. And so you, you really can't take anyone for granted because you, you know, other than watching games on, on video, you don't know the matchups for real, which is unlike any, any season they've had. It's kind of like high school football playoffs where you get deep enough in the playoffs, you're playing some team from across the state and you've never seen them before. You got Mm -hmm. some film, but you won't know until you get out there what it's really like. So I think that helps with the focus, but it also kind of adds an air of mystery to what, what they'll face on Monday. It's like, can we slow down that attack? You know, if, if the good sounders show up, I think they should be able to win, but <laughs> we've, a seen, a, we've seen a couple of games, we've seen a couple of games this year. It was like, who are these guys? And they cannot afford that here. No, no. Sounders will play Monday the 7th here at the stadium formerly known as uh, CenturyLink. Now it's the Lou. Serious Lumen. 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 Oh, come on. It's Lumen Field. But who's not going to be calling it the Lou, guys? I mean, who who is not? Serious. I'm I'm still waiting for the crack house, guys. And we know what that's all about. I know because well, I mean climate change stadium here and see if you're if you're listening oh, from Seattle they just we, pretty much guaranteed they pretty much guaranteed crack house with that yeah, yeah right so in answer to your question uh, Michelle I think that New England is is primed to to go all the way on the on the on the east because of the fact that they started out with that great win against Philadelphia and they they just seem to have the momentum but it'll be a good um, because they're the number eight seed and Columbus is the number three seed. And so, okay. I mean, Colum- Columbus is probably the favorite. And so it'll be interesting to see who the Sounders face. Well, hopefully the Sounders face. And here, here yeah. what I just did, the Sounders must not do. We must right. not look Thank past Minnesota. You. Don't take it for granted. Do we not. Cannot, take we cannot. A lot of people, most Sounders fans were like, oh yeah, I hope we get to face Minnesota instead of Kansas City. But Remember Careful um, what you wish for. And my final shot is I'm giving a little teaser on my final shot, but uh, they've got Ozzy Alonso, who was I know who will be coming home. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's uh, let's get to it. Let's just go to our final shot. It is time. All right, it is time for a final shot. Garrick, you're raring to go, and you've got it dialed in. Let's take it on. I do. 35 years old. Uh, an incredible story of this man who, uh, who, in a Walmart, defected to the United States. Uh, the, the Cuban national team was playing in the U.S., and he went into a Walmart to defect. Um, because what happens is they would what's more American than that. I know. Right. (laughs) (laughs) They let the team go shopping. Um, he was, he, he played originally for in Los Angeles and then, uh, the Charleston battery took him in the USL, uh, league one because of the fact that he would get more playing time, but he, he lit it up there and, and then the Sounders found him and he was one of our, our best, um, you know, expansion franchise signings uh ozzy alonzo really was the glue i believe and one of the unsung heroes and sadly was not protected when uh, the expansion draft came along uh and minnesota grabbed him and he has he was injured much of the fall which is i think why uh, they didn't do as well as they could have uh, throughout the season 
but then, you know, has come back for the playoffs and really um, makes such a difference for that team. So my final shot goes to Osvaldo Alonso. Can I just read a quote? I'm, I'm looking up on my wall because, uh, you know, you've seen a virtual background, but I'm surrounded by sports and Sounders stuff. We are all Sounders and this is our home. To be a Sounder means to be a fighter. We don't give up and we won't back down. We fight for each other. That was Ozzy Alonso. Ooh, and that was wow. the spirit that we continue with, with the Seattle Sounders. So a uh, final shot, Tom Fisher. Well, my final shot is out to the uh, Everett Royals football team, which I'm the defensive yeah. coordinator for. Uh, they're having a tryout, which is official on uh, Sunday, December 27th. And I also get to uh, coach with a woman for the first time ever as an offensive line coach. And she came from the, uh, uh, what's the Everett team there, uh, the Rain. And uh, anyway, so I look forward to that opportunity as far as equal opportunities. Uh, amen. There you go, Tom Fisher. Um, and I hope you'll let me come out and, and, and watch your first your first get together, or at least one of the first ones. That would be pretty cool. Uh, I want to just play off of that uh, because my family shot goes out to women who are breaking the glass ceiling. You know, uh, we we did kind of give an honest assessment of Sarah Fuller on making college football history. Uh, maybe not a great showing, but it did kind of break a glass ceiling. Tom, you're coaching with a woman. That's exciting. Last month, the Miami Marlins broke one of baseball's glass ceilings by becoming That's the huge. first club to hire a woman as general manager in major league baseball. Forget that in any professional men's um, team in the U S Kim Ng-ing-ing is uh, it's a pretty exciting story. There was a fun story too. Um, Sophia Smith, Jalen Howell, they, uh, they used to play in kindergarten at soccer and then they were uh, there on the U S women's national team and debuting on the same day. But I, I bring those, all those stories up to say that glass ceilings in some ways are shattering. My final shot is to those who shatter them and are able to show, you know, to make a really good showing as well. Here's to women who are pushing through, going for their dreams, ignoring the people and the customs uh, that would try to hold them back. I've experienced those even fairly recently. And, you know, for those of you who have made your dreams come true and made pathways open for others, I just want to say thank you. You have been my inspiration as we are going towards uh, more with My Michelle Live. Garrick? You're giving a thumbs up. That's so cute. We're on Zoom. He's giving a thumbs up. Oh, yeah. I just want to say thank you. Uh, Final shot, Brent Baker. Mine is the Stanford Cardinal football team. If you've been following their ordeal since Santa Clara County declared a moratorium on contact sports, they cannot go home. So they've been in Seattle all week in a variety of hotels. The first day they got here, they they were able to use the Huskies practice facility, but since then have like broken up into position groups and been practicing around area high schools. And I know just, you know, the resilience that you have that I wish I still had that I had when I was 20, but you know, they're from what their coaches are saying, the, the kids response has been, Hey, we get to do a road trip. It may be for weeks, but we get to play football. We get to hang out together. It's all good. You know? So I think, Attitude. I yeah. With that attitude, I think they'll still, with all of that, I still think they'll be able to put up a, a competitive performance on Saturday. But I just, I like the attitude where it's just like, hey, let's just go do this. This will be fun. Okay, Josh, you're going to bring us home in just a moment. Let's get a final shot from Rich Holstrom. Uh, well, I got to go back to the Sounders and say Nicholas Ladero with an MLS record six straight playoff games with at least one assist. Oh. Breaking David Beckham's record of five. Oh, awesome. He knows how to con- <laughs> he knows how to control the tempo of a game and really knows how to set up the Sounders offense. So hats off to him for another MLS record. And uh, hopefully the Sounders will beat Columbus in the final. Oh, yes, absolutely. Josh, bring us home. 
my final shot will be for Ichiro because uh, he has uh, been a member of as a special assistant for this Mariners squad being around. He is also going to be coaching some high school football back in Japan where he's going to be. High school football? Uh, or, sorry, baseball. More going on than I realized. Uh, yeah, there's, know, like, he, there's like glass he, ceiling for you. Yeah. He is a guy that has some some crazy work ethic, as we know. I mean, King Griffey Jr. talked about going to his house one day for dinner, ate dinner, Ichiro goes into the other room, works out really quick, comes back, and then you know, has dessert with them. And he's like, What are you doing? Like he's like, I always do this. This is my routine, you know. So he's uh, but don't worry, he will continue to be around next year year with the Mariners organization while also dealing with uh, coaching high school back in Japan uh, staying busy fulfilling kids dreams teaching the next generation but uh, yeah I'm excited to keep him around in the Mariners organization as well well guys I want to thank you for being part of the round table today I love you my brothers we talk sports but there is a deeper story in the game of life the best coach to have is Jesus Christ you want to have him in your corner Amen. because that is what the game of life is Amen. thanks for being with us today for more fun go to mymichellelive.com Oh, 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 oh,